Former Los Angeles rock radio personalities Ken Anthony and Frankie DeVita were looking for an outlet to continue to talk about their passions, radio and music. The radio landscape has changed so much over the years, and this podcast is their new avenue to discuss music, artists, media, and hopefully keep the spirit of radio alive. It's the Spirit of Radio podcast with your hosts, Ken Anthony and Frankie DeVita. And now, here's Ken and Frankie. This is the Spirit of Radio podcast. I'm Frankie DeVita. I'm Ken Anthony. And this is episode nine. Nine? Nine. We're at nine already. Wow. I thought this was the eighth one. Nope. <laughs> it must have been, there must have been one that just you and I did that was not memorable. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that was the first one. Uh, but uh, so we have a really awesome, amazing guest this, uh, this time around. Brian Wheat, bass player for Tesla, multi-platinum selling artist. Hi, Brian. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, we're doing Ryan, it's great. A, it's a, I'm giving you a sitting ovation from our computer. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're too kind. It's oh. so 2020, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Virtual. So, virtual madness. How are you doing, Brian? How are you doing in the age of COVID here? Uh, I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. You know, it's a little bit. I'm not used to sitting in one place this long. So I've been, you know. I think last time we played was February. So wow, yeah, yeah, that's the longest, the longest we haven't played since 2020. Jeez, wow. I mean, 2000. Excuse me, sorry. Well, you know, Brian, that's been we've had uh, uh, lots of uh, uh, rock artist guests on our podcast, and uh, several, obviously, most of it has been this year because we started the podcast in January, February. And that's been the, the running theme from all of them is, man, I just miss being out there and playing in front of people, you know? Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. Well, it's, you know, just sitting on your hands, not knowing, you know, what to do or really no, no indication of when we might go play again, really. I mean, no one really knows. The whole thing's up in the air, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I I think uh, a lot of a lot of people share your um, your sentiments, whether they're in the music business or not. Just everybody's locked down. But I, for one, am a concert goer. Always have been, and uh, uh, I'm definitely having the live music withdrawals for sure. Yeah, yeah. So and we. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say uh, uh, before we uh, uh, start into your illustrious career here. Um, you know, the live stream thing is cool, but it just, it's just, it's not the same nah, as being there in the flesh, cool, you know, it ain't the same. It ain't the same. I know it's worse. It's worse than watching a video of a band. I mean, <laughs> there's no, no connection. It, and, you know, to see a band just in a room with no one around, it's like I was watching that fight the other night with Tyson and, yeah. and, and Roy Jones. And yeah. That was the weirdest thing I ever seen. <laughs> Well, the, you know, it's like there's no one, you know, there's no one in the crowd. There's no crowd. There's no nothing. Well, plus the weird. plus as a as a musician, you feed off the audience, right? I mean, it's a back and forth absolutely. thing. Absolutely, absolutely. If the if the crowd's all ramped up, we even, you know, we start we get more adrenaline. We play more harder. You know, it's just it just yeah, it, it feeds, and there's just no interaction. So what what do you think? You know, we haven't done one of those virtual things, and and I don't know that we will. 
I mean, I'm I'm not chomping at the bit to do one. Right. Well, they do have some of the uh, some some artists are playing to uh, like a drive-in type of thing. You set up a stage and they've got people in their cars and stuff like that. Yeah, that's kind of weird too. What do they honk their horns after the song? <laughs> no, and, and then Brian, what you have to do is between songs, you have to go out and sell popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, look, I've played Sturgis before, and there's people out there on their motorcycles, so I, it it might not be as foreign as is. I guess I might think. Well. We are here, and one one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is um, because you have also become an author. Uh, yeah, <laughs> all of your titles. Yeah. Uh, so you've got a book coming out uh, called "Son of a Milkman: My Crazy Life with Tesla." It's due out on the fifteenth. Uh, pre-orders going right now, so you can pick up your uh, your Brian Wheat book. Um, but I've um, I'm about um, I'm several chapters in. I haven't finished, but I'm really enjoying it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's it's really honest. It's very honest um, take on your life, and and you're you're pretty open about your struggles and your successes. But I also feel the humility in your words when you're talking about your successes as well. So uh, what uh, I want to know is, did you did you keep a journal over the years? How did you remember no, all this stuff? I just got a really good memory. <laughs> um, I ne I never you know I I tried to. I remember when we went to uh, Bearsville to start our first do our first album mechanical resonance and uh someone said oh you know make make sure you take a journal and you know write in it every day you know this is a you know life experience and i took one and i wrote about two days and that was the end of it wow i just no i just <laughs> remember i have a re if you ask troy lacati i'll tell you i have like this amazing memory i just remember everything which is pretty ironic because sometimes i was pretty uh out of it but i still managed to remember it the bits you know yeah yeah well it may it, it's making for a good book so what why what made you decide to write it um a couple of things i think i think it was just getting that time where you know i'm, I'm older now and i'm looking at you know tesla's been a band for 30 years and 35 years plus you know and who knows how many how many more years you know will be a band? I don't know. I mean, who who knew there was going to be COVID? You know what I mean. So you just start going. Well, maybe it's time to kind of tell that part of the story, right? And then you go. Well, you know, I, I talk about how why when I was in therapy with Doctor Hershkoff, he said a good way to let things go is to write them down, and you should write a book. But when he said that to me, I was twenty seven years old. That was the last thing I was thinking about was writing the book, um, you know. Nor would did I think you know anyone would want to read a book from me. You know, I I hadn't had a thirty five year career at the time, so those two things just kind of came to a time where I went, okay, this might make sense. And then it was like, well, let me see if anyone's interested. So, you know, basically, I wrote this kind of manuscript that read like a interview basically chronological history of you know the tesla stuff and and the funny anecdotes in my life and then you know i was talking with my manager mike kobayashi and he said you know you should talk about some of the stuff you struggle with you know the autoimmune stuff your weight your anxiety and depression and all that stuff man 
I went, yeah, why not? I don't care. I'm a pretty open guy. So I just kind of thought, well, if that might help somebody that is going through the same things that I'm going through, then go, well, look at, you know, Brian's just a normal guy like us. He just plays, you know, even though he plays in a rock band, he's not exempt from, mm-hmm. you know, depression or, 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 you know, bulimia or all the things that I talk about in the book. Oh. I thought, well, maybe it'll help someone, you know, come to terms to deal with whatever they're having to deal with and, you know, try to help themselves. So that that's kind of in a nutshell why it all, why I did it. How, uh, how long did you work on the book? Was this like a labor of love over time? I started about five years ago, you know, but I started with another two writer. I, you know, Chris Epting co-wrote the book with me. So I started out with Pete Mikowski, a writer in England that used to write for Sounds Magazine. And we we did some of the work. And then, you know, he was in England. I was in California. And it, it just it just didn't, for whatever reason, it didn't finish. I didn't finish it. So then I sat down with an old friend of mine, this guy, Ken Nicholson, who's done a lot of work with Tesla over the years. He did like the Tesla Live DVD in 2008. He's more of a film guy, but he's a real organized guy. So he was really good at just sitting me down and kind of going. And because he knew my career and he knows me as, as a person outside of Tesla, he kind of just ran me through this chronological thing, which mm-hmm. is why I wound up reading like a, uh, like an interview. Yeah, like a set list, exactly. And then um, that's how you had it uh, listed. I thought that was really clever. The set list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that came from the work me and Kenny did. And then, 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 then I went, you know, after sending it around to a couple people and getting some feelers to see, you know, if they thought it, you know, I should put it out or, you know, and then I, you know, I'd written it down and felt like I was starting to let it go, you know, whatever my internal things were. Um, they said, yeah, but you know, uh, why don't you work with this guy, Chris Epting? He writes books with people and see how you guys get it, get along. And if you hit it off and if you can work together and we did. And so, uh, that came together pretty quickly. And that was in the last, I want to say year, you know, well, that was about a year ago. Well, I think you've, now we start, you've definitely had started. time to put on the finishing touches this year. <laughs> so did it, did it take you, uh, did it take you a year or so, Brian, to, to write it? With Chris, uh, only because I was touring and stuff at the time. Right. So, you know, it's hard to get me down to do stuff. Like, when I'm on tour, that's all I'm doing. I'm touring. Right. When I'm home, I'm home. So it was finding just the spots when to do it. Between his scheduling, the other books he was working on, and me doing the stuff I was doing in Tesla, and then, you know, traveling and hanging out with my wife and dogs, you know, it took us about a year, but you know, all in all, probably we could have did it all in six weeks total time, but you know, it's just due to scheduling. It took a while to put out. Well, I am sure you're really um, excited about the book release. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty stoked. I never really thought I'd put out a book or have a book. <laughs> so, but then again, I never thought I'd be an artist and sell paintings of mine either. So, the uh, only thing I wanted to do was was be a, a, 
you know, rock and roll star when I was a kid. You know, when I saw, heard Wings, you know, Paul McCartney, I wanted to be like that. So, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. So, Brian, I had a question for you. Um, being the creative type, uh, writing a book or uh, writing an album and producing an album, what are the differences and the challenges? They're kind of the same. You know, you, you know, you got like this sketch pad of what you want to do. You, you know, you, you, when you're making an album, you might have these sketch pad ideas of songs that, you know, you got to see through to the end. And when you're reading a book, you go, well, I could talk about this, this, and this, and you kind of just put it down on a paper and kind of visualize it. And, you know, it's really just about organization and seeing it through. And I'm good at that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really good at at organization and seeing projects through to the end. Sometimes to my detriment, I shouldn't see some things to, to the end, but I can't help it. It's in my DNA. Um, but I, I think they're very similar. You know, what's interesting about it to me, Brian, is, uh, you know, I'm a writer uh, for the trade all access in when you write something, it's just you and the words. But what's cool about it is when it's done and it's out there, to get responses from people. It's kind of like the same thing if you put an album out there, how people respond to it. Once it's out there in the universe, it's really kind of cool to get feedback. And I'm sure you're going to find that uh, once the book is released. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of out of your control at that point too. Yeah. You know, I mean, once I put out a record, you know, either they like it, love it or hate it. You know what I mean? There's nothing I can do. I did, you know, it's kind of like you just sit back and, and watch yeah so the same thing you know with with with, with writing the book is like I, I told the stories i put them out there to let people you know do with them what whatever they will you know and uh you know hopefully you know people kind of get my sense of humor in it a little bit because i did do it in my words and my kind of weird sense of humor you know i yeah. mean to sit there and say, you know, I'm son of the milkman, you know, that's a joke, but it's actually true. So it's kind of tongue in cheek. Right. Well, that definitely comes through. Well, good. That's one thing I wanted to come through. So, so you grew up in the Sacramento area. Um, kind, yeah. kind of a, a crazy childhood. <laughs> I would have to say. Yeah. Yeah. I got some, some wild family and wild brothers and sister and grew up in a, kind of wild neighborhood me and frank did but it was all right i'm okay do you feel like um that coming from you know that kind of crazy childhood like that um fed into your creative process i i think it it, it gave me the drive that i have absolutely and the drive i have has made me turned me into this creative person you know what i mean it wasn't a natural i'm not a natural uh, artist I work at that at it you know what I mean yeah. whether it's songwriting or, or my paintings or you know whatever I do or if I'm you know working on a house I like to you know build houses from and and create you know spaces and houses that are cool to hang out in so I, I just developed it I think over the years I don't but I don't consider myself a natural at it at all well you definitely had those um, you you definitely had some lessons growing up that you implemented into your 
uh, career. Um, you were talking about uh, things you learned from your mom that, you know, about saving money and, and being frugal and things like that, you, you, that you definitely brought into your career. Yeah. Yeah. She was pretty influential on me. We were really, really tight. And, you know, she used to tell me, look, you know, don't get too big headed, whatever goes up, comes down and, uh, you know, save half your money, at least don't blow it all. <laughs> well, I, I noticed you dedicated the book to her as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I did. Well, yeah. uh, let's let's talk a little bit about um, like Tesla. So uh, you and Frank, I guess, were friends growing up. And um, what, yeah. what was the genesis of um, let's let's do this band thing? Well, that's how we became friends. He was a guitar player, and I was a bass player, and and I was uh, in a band, and the band that I was in was renting a a warehouse from Frank's mom's boyfriend. And Frank, you know, is four years younger than me. Mm -hmm. So the guys I was playing with were four years older than me. So she, one day, the guy that owned the place said, hey, my girlfriend's kid plays guitar. He's 14. He'd like to come down and, and jam with you guys. And we went, yeah, 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 sure. Sit him down. You know? <laughs> and, you know, here I am. I'm 18. And the guys that are 22 are like, yeah, yeah, sit him down. Well. Frank came in and just blew everyone out of the room. Wow. He was like a natural prodigy. Wow. And uh, me and him just kind of hit it off, and we started hanging out together. And, you know, that's that's what became Tesla. Me and him put the band together. We started playing, and then we went through a couple of guys, and, and then it became what you know as Tesla. So well, I have to that's say how that, that, that friendship, that kinship, all that that's how it came about it was really by you know i i think it was divine intervention myself but i believe in you it. know <laughs> you know i think i was meant you know we were meant to 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 be with each other me and him well i have to say that um mechanical resonance um definitely resonated with me uh i loved that album i played the heck out of that album um and i did see you guys play in the round with def leppard um, uh, that was at the LA sports arena, I believe in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. I remember that gig. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I heard some crazy things went on under that stage in the round. Can you, can you I don't know that? anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it in the book, Brian? <laughs> no, no, I don't really, you know, of course there was crazy thing. Look, look, there was crazy things happening under the stage, on the ramp, in the bus, in the dressing room. I mean, that whole time period, right? Whether it was out with Def Leppard or Motley Crue or Poison, you know, there was always crazy things going on, you know, and that and that time. It was just it was that it was that time, yeah, you know. Exactly. It was the day of MTV and, you know, big hair and you know, and you're young and it was great. It was like, I was like a kid in a candy shop. Yeah. And you seem to, um, uh, so I know what I, I know what it's like when I, I meet someone that I've, I've admired, I admire their music, their musicianship, um, someone in broadcasting, anything like that. I know how I, you know, feel about meeting a hero. Um, and you've mm -hmm. had that opportunity many times 
Um, yeah. What's that like for you? Well, you know, I, I suppose you're talking about meeting Paul McCartney, right? Mm. Well, that that first time, yeah, you must have been just giddy. I was tripping out. <laughs> you know, uh, that was just so weird. You know, me and Frank are walking through the park in London there, and his building's there, and he's in the third floor just looking out at the park. And, you know, I made contact with him through the window, whatever, and he came down, and we started rapping. And and that was pretty cool because, you know, the, the biggest thing is you don't want to meet one of your heroes, and it's a letdown. You know, you go, oh, man, what an asshole. You know, and he was so friendly and so gracious and so just so cool. And, uh, you know, and then my other hero, which is Jimmy Page, is actually a really good friend of mine. And I really like that's a special thing because, uh, you know, as a kid, I had posters of McCartney and Led Zeppelin on my walls. Wow. And I got to meet both my heroes and actually become a really good friend with jimmy mm. uh, so i've been pretty blessed you know and i and i and i i credit tesla for those things because i wouldn't have met those guys had i not been in tesla or with tesla so you know that's part of the great when people say what are some of the great things that you know you, know, you got from being a tesla is you know getting to meet paul mccartney and becoming friends with jimmy page or right up there on the top you, you know what, Brian, it's funny. Uh, Frankie and I have done uh, several of these podcasts with, uh, you know, we've done uh, Rick Emmett of Triumph and uh, Liberty mm -hmm. DeVito. And um, gosh, we've done uh, a bunch of different guys. And one of the things that all musicians have in common, we've, and we've asked this question, is you're naturally fans of music. So it would make mm -hmm. sense that if uh, you meet someone who is one of your idols in music, that that's going to be really, really special. And then what I what I've noticed too from talking to everybody is that, you know, if they're cool and they become friends, you naturally have that kinship because you're musicians. Yeah, that's the thing with me and Jimmy. You know, is that, you know, he treats me like a fellow musician. Right. You know, I don't really act like a crazed fan around <laughs> him. You know, I mean, he knows that. You know, obviously, I grew up and I loved Led Zeppelin, and he was one of my heroes. But, you know, we're more we're friends on a we're both musicians and we both have a share interest, a lot of common interests and stuff. And yeah. that's pretty cool. I'm pretty, you know, that's pretty special. And you, you've had, uh, you have some very tight relationships with other musicians, like, you know, Joe Elliott for one who wrote the phone. Yeah. yeah. Joe Elliott and, and Phil Collin, you know, both. Um, I mean, all the guys in leopard, but especially Joe and Phil, and Joe probably going back the longest because Joe was the one, you know, that when we were out with Def Leppard that I kind of grew real close to. And me and Phil have been close over the years. And, you know, it's actually, I think it's Phil's birthday today. I'm not sure. i got to ask my wife when I get up. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, Joe Elliott's like my big brother. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a guy that, if I ever get in a jam or ever need advice, you know, and, and it, you know, like I wouldn't call Jimmy with some of the stuff I need advice on. Cause I would think it'd be corny and I'd be bothered them. You know what I mean? But with, 
with Joe, anything goes. So that's cool. You know, he's, he's, he's like my big brother. That is cool. Hey, Brian, I want to ask you about, uh, Frankie was mentioning Mecha uh, Mechanical Resonance, which is just a brilliant album. Um, I want to ask you about some of the songs specifically. Obviously, on that album, you have Little Susie and Modern Day Cowboy, which just are still being played today on you know rock radio. Uh, what were some mm -hmm. of the, um, what was the genesis of, of those two songs in particular? Uh, well, Little Susie was a cover. And that, that came from when we were working with Ronnie Montrose. He did one of our first demo tapes, and he brought that song over to us. And uh, that song went through a few different changes, and actually the version you know from Tesla was kind of done with this producer named Max Norman, yeah, who did the Ozzy Osbourne records. Yeah, he came out to work with us, and uh, you know, we went through about four or five different people before we actually did the record. Yeah, I, I just and funny I think enough that song is so brilliant because the the the, the cross between the acoustic parts and the just the jamming yeah. parts is just incredible. Yeah, that was that was the the. The, you know the Led Zeppelin influence on us mm -hmm. you know uh, and then Modern Day Cowboy was actually written the later part of the writing of that album at the last there was one last two week burst of songs that we did and it was in that batch it was in that last batch what a great uh, song yeah well thank you I, I, you know I play it every night <laughs> well, <laughs> you Jeff, ever get tired of playing it? No, hell no. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I don't get tired. People say, "Do you get tired of singing Signs?" Hell no. Oh no. <laughs> I hope. Well, not. yeah, that was the other one, Signs. <laughs> yeah, wow, what a great version. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I, I, I'm funny. You know, I'm the guy in the band, one of the guys in the band that say, "Look, the people when they come to see us play, the majority of the people want to hear." the stuff they're familiar with right mm -hmm. and then your super super uber fans want to hear the deep stuff you yeah. know and it's you know me and frank you know we're like yin and yang we go round and round on you know how many hits should be in there and how many deep cuts and but i think we come to a pretty good balance yeah and and love song is also of course just tremendous. yeah 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 and they always ask me if i get tired of playing that <laughs> Some of the questions people ask me are pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Well, I um, <laughs> it's funny that you say that. Um, <laughs> now, right. now I'm thinking back, right. like, have I asked you any questions? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, you guys. I'm just saying, you know, it's like you, you know, when you would you ask Paul McCartney, you get tired of singing "Hey Jude." Yeah. <laughs> well, he's like. No, <laughs> but you know what? You know what, Brian? I mean, you I, sing I have... it, and thousands of people start cheering. Yeah, you don't get tired of but that. But you know what, Brian? I've I've actually talked to artists before that have admitted, "Oh boy, I got to play that song again." And then they, but then they always uh, correct themselves and say, "Well, geez, if if that song wasn't as big as it was, I wouldn't be playing it in the first place." Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. ask me if I ever get tired of playing in Tesla. Oh, and you know. And, and that, that, you know, that's in my book, you know, it, it talks about, you know, when I'm not, when I'm dealing with, you know, some of these ish health issues and stuff, how I've wanted to, to resign a couple of times, mm. 
you know, there was a couple of periods where I came really close to, to, to quitting, mm. you know, because it was just taking its toll on my body yeah, and my, and my mind. Right. And, you know, that's, that's the thing is that you overcome that, you know, you fight through it. You know, the easy thing to do is quit. Right. The hard thing is to figure out a way to stick it out and, and, you know, find the things that you always loved in it. That's the one thing about this COVID thing is that <coughs> for whatever people I think have taken for granted in their lives, this has kind of been a wake up thing to not take, take it for granted. You know, to appreciate things you have and relationships you have and people you love and stuff a lot more than you might have a year ago. Right. So I think that that's the one maybe good thing out of it all is that, you know, it's, it's taught us to maybe appreciate each other. Well, you were taught, so you, you mentioned your, um, you know, your health struggles and mental health struggles, depression and, and the weight thing. And, and, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people retreat to music. So you being in a band, mm. um, I'm sure you're not retreating to your own music. What music did you re do you retreat to when you're having a moment? Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, on the eighth day, God created the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> let it be is a good one for me. You know, that let it be is one of those songs. It's a very consoling song. Yeah. And you know, you, know you, you mentioned that the Beatles were like your first um uh basically your first introduction to music, really. Um, yeah, had, to, to, you know, outside of Kitty Records, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I had that same experience. I had an older brother who was playing Beatles records, mm -hmm. and that, that's my first experience as well. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was Eleanor Rigby, oh. and it was Paul McCartney's voice. It was so soothing. Yeah. And uh, that's why, you know, really on the eighth day, God created Paul, and then... Well, <laughs> I, I was going to mention, uh, Brian... Um, uh, living here in L.A., uh, one of the uh, radio stations does a Beatles show on Saturday mornings. Another radio station does it on Sunday, but we're talking about the one on Saturday morning. And mm -hmm. I was reminded today that j uh, just a few days from now, the 40th anniversary of the death of John Lennon, 40 yeah. years ago. Wow. Yeah. Think about isn't it that. The eighth is December eighth. December eighth. It? Yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, forty years ago, yeah. and I think we all remember. I know I do. I'm, I'm sure you probably remember where you were or, or what was going on. I when heard, you heard the watching news. Howard Cosell That's on Monday right. Night Football. Same here, Monday Night Football. A lot of people did. Yeah. Wow. I think a lot of people heard it from Howard Cosell. Oh man. So I yeah, yeah, I remember it. it. I just got chills too. Yeah, I just got chills. Yeah. 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 What a horrible wow. day that was. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love Paul, but John to me, I mean, I always thought that Paul was the heart, but John was the soul of the Beatles. That's what I've always felt. <laughs> <laughs> you disagree. Put too much into it. You disagree. <laughs> Look, let's just be honest. Yeah. Had the Beatles not had Paul McCartney from Revolver on, there wouldn't have been any more Beatle records. Oh no, I know how. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I mean, that's I the truth. Paul I mean, was you fantastic, know, but I think the you know, combination Lennon, of the two. For John Lennon to say that "Let It Be" was a piece of shit song, 
is just absurd. Well, that that I, is absurd. That is absurd. I got to just question his like mental capacity. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, but really, you know, look, I love John Lennon. And I love the Beatles. There's no Beatles, Stones, or Lennon and McCartney for me. But the truth of the matter is, is that Paul McCartney doesn't get a lot of credit for the things that he did. And everyone thinks that John was like this raunchy rock and roll guy and that Paul McCartney was this wimpy guy doing, you know, Maxwell Silver Hammer. <laughs> but put on, you know, put on Helter Skelter, and I defy you to find a heavier song. Yeah. You know, it's right up there with Revolution. It's not even heavier than Revolution. Yeah. yeah. Revolution's so, a great So people have taken shots at my boy, Paul, <laughs> for a long time. I hope. And I've defended him since the third grade. Uh, Brian, I hope, <laughs> I, hope that, I hope that you're not thinking that I am because I think Paul McCartney no, 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 is, I'm a, not. is I'm a not. genius. I'm not, I'm but, not at all. But it's interesting how the two of them together was probably one of the biggest yin-yangs in the history of rock. And yet they made magic together, you know, in terms of writing. It's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been doing this thing lately on my uh, on my Spotify playlist, and I've been putting together, I think I've done three of them, what the Beatle records would have been in the 70s, you know, when you put, like, all their solo stuff together. And, boy, those records are amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, All Things Must Pass. George Harrison, very underrated songwriter yeah. at the times, you know? yeah. Yeah, and then you look at the whole thing, you know, from 70 through 80, and Paul every year has got a bunch of hits. Yeah. I, I love your story in the book where you say that um, the first track on the album skipped, and so the next one was Eleanor Rigby, and had it had the first song not skipped, it might have been George Harrison that was your hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so, though, because honestly, it was... It was the voice. It was yeah. that, right. that, that stacked voices, that just that mm. sound, mm. you know, and those strings. And I was just like, wow, that's, that's badass. Well, I, I agree. I mean? Paul McCartney's always been my favorite Beatle as well. Yeah. My, my wife, she loves George. Yeah. So, well, you know. You know, and, and you know, I've, I've got a new appreciation for George. I've gone back and dug into his solo stuff. I mean, I, I, I knew all the the uh, the Beatles stuff, obviously, but I never really dug that deep into his solo stuff, the stuff he did on his own. Yeah. And there's some amazing stuff there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, while my guitar gently weeps, uh, something. I mean, hello. Yeah. One of the greatest yeah. love songs ever. Incredible. Yeah, he was, he was pretty under, underrated. And then there's as, that as Ring, a, then there's that Ringo guy, and it's funny. <laughs> we we had a conversation, Brian. You'll love this with Liberty DeVito, uh, Billy Joel's mm -hmm. drummer for years. Mm -hmm. And we asked him about as from a drummer's perspective. Tell us about Ringo Starr. And he went on and on. He could not stop raving about Ringo Starr. And it's interesting. You don't always get that, but he just said he was just the perfect fit guy for that band. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, <laughs> you know, you know that story, right? Yes. <laughs> In the seventies where I think it was Tom Snyder, or somebody was interviewing Paul McCartney and, or I think it was Paul McCartney or John Lennon. And they said, you know, Ringo Starr says he's the greatest drummer in the world. Is that true? And it was either Paul or John said he's not even the greatest drummer in the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I heard that. That's too. funny. That's, that's but funny. I saw Ringo play last summer, and it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him with the All Stars and 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 Luca Thur and those guys, yeah. and it was great. Well, let's, yeah. bring, bring, let's, I love let, let's talk about Tesla for a second. One of the things that uh, Frankie and I always do, because we call this the spirit of radio podcast is, you know, when the first time you heard Tesla music on the radio, what was that like? Mm -hmm. for you? I was driving in my car in, in Sacramento and I heard this on the radio and I actually pulled over to the side of the road and turned it up. And shit started <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty cool. I still get a kick out of uh uh when I get into my car and I turn on the radio and, and we're we're on the radio. I'll tell you a funny story. Um well I thought it was pretty cool. The other day I was in at the grocery store and I come in out of the the grocery store and get into my car and and I listen to uh serious radio a lot now. And I pretty much keep it on the Beatles channel. And I turned it on and we were on the Beatles channel doing I Got a Feeling. And that was pretty cool for me. We lost you, buddy. <laughs> Ken? Yeah, I, I, I had to uh, uh, mute it because uh, we're doing this Zoom thing and I have a dog that just likes to bark once in a while. <laughs> That's okay. Leave him on. I have three. I have three Jack Russells. All right. Well, uh, Frankie knows Capri and loves Capri, but uh, when, when she was barking a little while ago, I put it on mute, but I, I'll let her be part of it. And it's so funny. She was riding around with me in the car when I was listening to that Beatles show and Hey Bulldog came on. <laughs> right, right. The ruff, 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 ruff right. McCartney. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's super cool that you got to hear your own stuff on the Beatles channel. That might Yeah, that was a big charge. That, you know, you, you think, you know, I've done all this stuff all these years, and I'm kind of jaded and kind of cynical, and what really gives you a rise still? And I got a pretty big rise here, Tesla doing, you know, I got a feeling on the Beatles channel, and Peter Asher introducing it. That was pretty fucking cool. Was it 98 Rock in Sacramento that you heard um – your song or what or was it Kate's the first app? time yeah, yeah. Or app or what yeah it was called 93 rock oh 93 rock okay yeah okay yeah how cool to be just cruising and here's tesla and and to hear your stuff that's such a cool yeah and it then, was pretty cool and then and then you couldn't stop hearing tesla because uh, uh yeah there was a time we were on the radio quite a bit yeah um, so the the great radio controversy was the the next album after that, um, and it's interesting because um, the radio thing comes up. Well, first first of all, you got your name Tesla um, after Nikola Tesla, uh, and um, what was it? Your manager that that came up with that? Uh, yeah, he's the one that brought it to our attention, Cliff Bernstein. Well, then I th I thought it was interesting because you were saying that in the the great radio controversy that album the name came because you were trying to decide who really uh, invented the radio. Well, the truth of the matter is the reason that record was called Great Radio Controversy was when, when Cliff, you know, told us about Tesla, our A&R guy, Tom Zutat, gave us this book on Tesla and said, you know, he's going to quiz us all. And whoever got all the most right answers would get a hundred bucks. So one of the chapters in that book was called the great radio controversy. And it was about, you know, him and Marconi 
and how you know the patent actually went to tesla so when we finished the second album the recording of the second album it was frank who came up with we should call the album you know the great radio controversy which and uh that, that's where that title came from you know the first two were kind of chapters out of uh, uh out of the tesla book well and apropos being that you chose that name yeah yeah, and then then obviously Bust a Nut wasn't a Tesla title. <laughs> that wasn't in the book. <laughs> oh, it's in the book. It should have been called Bust a Nut. No, I mean the uh the Tesla book. <laughs> no, no, that was that was in the South Sacramento book. Me and Frank Annan came up with that title. <laughs> um well you guys are still, you know, well, aside from COVID, um kind of interrupting things, but still even in 2019 still doing stuff together oh yeah yeah we play you know 75 100 shows a year still wow and uh you know we still do records um but you have your own we, recording studio now right yeah i have my own studio frank has his own studio troy has his own studio me and frank have our own little production companies and independent labels and you know um we're always doing something i mean it's what we do i mean i you know i don't think you know when people think about tesla or just rock bands in general you know some rock bands have been you know gotten really wealthy you know tesla's not a really wealthy band tesla makes its living by going out and playing music mm -hmm. yeah. you know tesla is a working band right you know, we go out and we play shows, and that's how we earn our living. Mm -hmm. It's not like we got millions in the bank, and right. we we don't, you know, we don't have to do it. We we do. It's our job. You know, it just so happens we have a very cool job. But you know what? That that's interesting. You say that, uh, Brian, um, with so many people out of work, and and, and especially in the music business. Um, you know, there were so many bands that just struggled to just get heard. And just the fact that you guys all these years later are still out there is a testament to your talent. So, um, you know, kudos to you for that. Mm, thanks, man. You know, it was, uh, there was something I actually learned in your book that I did not know um, about the music business. And you're kind of talking about this, about Tesla's not a, a wealthy band, not a, you know, uh, millionaires and things like that but you were uh you were talking about this one thing and i didn't know that about um the lavish dinners and tour buses and things like that um i didn't realize that all that came out of the tesla budget i thought that was just the record company splurging on you because you were part of the family no it's bullshit <laughs> yeah no, i didn't know we, you pay look you're in a band you pay for everything you know, we used to think when we first got together, you know, we were obviously, you know, pretty popular. So we were making Geffen Records a lot of money. And they'd be taking you out to all these nice dinners and stuff, you know, and all these people ordering all this nice wine and all this shit. Well, what you didn't realize is you were the ones paying for it, yeah. not them. Right. It came out of your royalties. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, we broke up in 1995. That's when we discovered that. Wow. And then uh, and figured that one out. So that's why, you know, when we got back together in 2000, you know, the last 20 years, we kind of been running as a as a cottage industry. You know, we kind of try to do a lot of things ourselves in-house and 
we're able to do a lot of things. You're like a DIY band now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, you know, Brian, it's interesting you say that because I've heard that, you know, for years that there's, there's, you know, sometimes you think there's an advantage being on a record label because, you know, they're going to promote you, they're going to market you and everything. But mm -hmm. when you go in the studio, every bottle of water you use, uh, uh, it's coming out of your account. Um, so I think, you know, the last, I don't know, maybe five to 10 years, you see more and more in bands, uh, more and more bands taking control of their own destiny apart from record labels. I think it's, if you can do it, that's a smart way to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. Hey, buddy. <laughs> that must be your dog. <laughs> that's that's spanky hi spanky boy how many dogs you have three you said uh three jack russells yeah oh my god what a cool dog wow what are yeah. their names spanky alfalfa and louise <laughs> oh hey. i hear him right there that's louise, was, louise, was louise one of the little rascals <laughs> no she had a sister named Thel thelma <laughs> Oh, and uh, but, <laughs> but Louise now. and Thelma used to fight. I had four of them, and Louise and Thelma used to fight really bad. So we had to give Thelma to our our friend in Texas because we didn't want you know one of them getting hurt. And Alfalfa and Louise are twins; they're brother and sister. So we didn't want to split them up. So Brian, why why Jack Russell's? I I always remember that movie with Gene Hackman, uh, the submarine movie. I'm trying to remember the name of it, where he had that Jack Russell. And but but why Jack Russell's? Um, you know, about 25 years ago, when I I first got together with my wife Monique, she um, she moved in my house after I was a bachelor for a few years in between my first wife and second wife and um she said i want a dog <laughs> <laughs> i said no i don't want no dog you know because I, I had this big old victorian house with all these velvet curtains and velvet couches and you know like a victorian house should be done up right right i don't want a dog destroying my house and we had just gotten together, so, you know, things were new. And, you know, you, you do things when in the beginning of your relationships. <laughs> Mind you, we've been together 25 years, so. Um, and I, I've had seven Jack Russells since we've been together. Wow. So, wow. Um, but anyway, she said, you know, I want this little Jack Russell. It's just a little dog, and it won't hurt nothing. And, and uh I was like, no, I we ain't getting on dog. And then all of a sudden, dog beds start showing up at the house <laughs> and all these dog things. And I'm like, what's going on? I told you no, you know. And uh, so uh, she, I said, yeah. And she wanted this little female Jack Russell. And uh, so we go to get the female, and the female comes out, and she's not very friendly, and. I'm playing with her and I feel this like lump and I'm like, Hey, is this a male or a female? <laughs> and they go, Oh, she must have a hernia. I said, well, I don't want this dog. This dog's broken. Mm. <laughs> oh, you know, this is my goofy ass, right? My right. mentality. So her little brother comes out and he jumps on me and he's great. And I'm like, Oh, this is the one we're getting. Somebody's like, no, I want the girl. I'm like, well, it's broken. We're going to get the boy. And, no, no. So long story short, we end up getting both of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that 
that was our first uh, set of twin Jack Russells, and that was Bonnie and Clyde. Wow. So then, fast forward 14 years later, and Clyde, you know, dies of cancer, and mm. I was in, I was in uh, Bangkok on one of my trips mm. uh, uh, with Ross Alphen, the photographer, mm. and she goes and gets another pair of Jack Russells wow. to keep Bonnie company. And that was Spanky and Darla. Now you're sitting there going, where's Darla? So we, we, um, we moved to Texas about six years ago from California and we have Spanky and Darla and Darla got into it with a rattlesnake and died. Oh boy. And Hmm. yeah it was it was really it was like losing a child oh. so that's how we wound up getting Thelma because Monique was pretty devastated and I said you know look do you want to get another dog and she went yeah Spanky can't be alone so we got little Thelma hmm. right so then there was Spanky and Thelma but then she found another dog that looked just like uh Darla, that was Louise. Wow. So we were on holiday in, in our house in Italy, and, and Thelma was with the housekeeper in Texas, and then we took Spanky to Italy with us. So when we got back, the very next day after flying 12 hours, I drive like 10 hours to this place that breeds Jack Russells to go pick up little Louise. Because, mm. you know, we already know we're going to have Thelma and Louise and Spanky. <laughs> And Louise is great. She's beautiful. And I'm just getting ready to leave. And out runs this other little furry guy. Right? Oh, he's cute. Who's that? That's her twin brother. Oh, boy. And they're like, Monique, can't we keep him too? I'm like, man, we got four dogs. <laughs> so uh, Alfalfa, he came. And then so and then we that's how we had Thelma, Louise, Spanky, and Darla, and Bonnie, and Clyde. Alfalfa. You know what, uh, Brian? It's like I'm such a dog lover, and I and and I don't want to bring this up. I know Frankie had uh, a dog that uh, recently passed, and now I think Frankie, you got two more, right, Frankie? Yeah, my dog. We we had a, a black lab uh, pit bull mix. We had to put down after 14 years in September, mm. and then a month later, we went to get a puppy black lab pit bull mix. And there was a brother and sister, and they were joined at the hip. And so we took them both. And so they're going to be six months old what, in a couple of what days. What are their names again? Uh, Callie and Jagger. Jagger's after Mick, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, I think the three of us are uh, madly in love with dogs. And yeah. They're pretty Well, I don't have any special. kids. I just have my dog. Yeah. You know? Well, they you know what? They're, they're like kids. They're, they're, they're uh, you know, my dog Capri, 11 years. And Frankie knows I bring Capri to the studio, wherever I work. And, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, great companions, man. That's yep. for sure. Well, and, and yeah. I have kids too, and dogs don't talk back. <laughs> no, no. That's why I have dogs, not kids. <laughs> Well, well let, me, listen. let me let me touch on one one last thing before we let you go. I do you did mention Ross Halfin a couple of times, and I know he's really um, shown you a lot when it comes to photography. And uh, so I just mm -hmm. wanted you to touch on your photography so people know that you have yet another talent uh, that maybe not too many people know about. 
Um, but you called it, um, let me see, enhanced photography. Is that what you called it? Well, yeah, what I do is, is so when I, you know, I've known Ross since Def Leppard hysteria tour. Oh, and Ross Hoffman is, if, if, if you're listening and don't know, Ross Hoffman is an amazing rock photographer who he's photographed pretty much everybody. Yeah. He's the greatest rock photographer there is period. So, you know, he's one of my best friends and long story short, we, we go on trips all around the world and, you know, he's a photographer. He's always taking photos. So one day he handed me one of his little cameras, a Leica and said, you know, mess around, whatever. And I used to always mess around taking pictures on my iPhone. And I used to tell him I was the world's, he was the greatest rock photographer and I was the world's greatest iPhone photographer. <laughs> and it was a joke. But anyways, I started taking a lot of pictures and I started to get pretty good at it. You know, and even Ross would say, you know, Brian's got a really good eye. He knows how to frame things up. You know, uh, the technical end, I'm not very good at all. I couldn't tell you about aperture and all that stuff. But so a couple years ago, we were on this Monsters of Rock cruise, which we do quite often. Mm -hmm. And Rick Allen was on there selling his paintings. Rick Allen from Def Leppard. Right. So Larry, the guy that puts on the cruise, Larry Moran said, look, why don't you talk to Christian, the guy that owns the gallery, about doing a photo exhibit with your photos? So I did. And he said, your photos are really good, but I do art. I don't do photographs. And I went, okay. You know, cool. And that was the end of that conversation. Well, the next day when I saw Christian and, you know, running around the boat or whatever, he said, hey, I, you know, I thought about what you were saying a little bit. I have a proposition for you. I said, sure. What's that? He said, have you ever thought about painting on your photographs? Hmm. I went, no, I'm not a painter. I'm, I take photographs. And he said, sure you are. So he kind of got me into it. And basically what it is is, I take photographs, they put them on a canvas, you know, it's like a giant gicle. And then I take paints and I enhance parts of the photograph, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so it becomes like this 3D kind of thing that's part photograph, part painting. And so we call it enhanced photography. Yeah, and yeah. it really pops the color too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Mm -hmm. Like, so, if, you know, I photograph a tree, you know, like I'll do the green leaves and they're really like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. But I'm, you know, so I'm not like no trained uh, Picasso or anything like <laughs> that. But it's my own thing. And that's yeah. kind of what I do. You know, I mean, you know, I kind of the same with music. I kind of, you know, taught myself and then Frank Cannon actually taught me how to play good. And, uh, it's the same thing. I just kind of work at things. I'm very workman-like at, at what I do in my life. Brian, where can uh, people listening uh, check out your photographers? Is there a website or somewhere they can yeah, go? Yeah, the Wentworth Galleries. Can you There's spell about that? Nine or, Wentworth. Okay. W-E-N-T-W-O-R-T-H. Wentworth, okay. So it's WentworthGalleries.com? Yeah, just you know, Wentworth Galleries, just Google it. There's about nine of them okay. or 10 of them. And they're, they're pretty much on the East Coast. 
and they're you know they do my stuff exclusively um and uh it's some cool stuff you know i've i've sold some paintings you know artwork that for money i never thought i'd ever get you know oh that's cool i was like whoa i can't can't believe it and you know the the cool thing about it is the, the first person that ever bought any any of my art knew nothing about tesla wow she bought three paintings and it was purely on the basis of she liked the paintings yeah well and that was pretty cool that made me feel really good like wow okay cool you know it wasn't just someone said oh we like brian he's cute guy you know <laughs> little teddy bear you know let's buy a couple of paintings and make him feel good it was actually legitimate and that that was nice that was a good feeling you know what go ahead i'm sorry i was just gonna say ross Halfin's kind of like dang why didn't i think of that well you know what <laughs> oh he's all right he's got plenty <laughs> i just noticed brian i went to the wentworth gallery um website and it looks like paul stanley has some art uh on display yeah, there so well. that's the thing paul stanley rick allen um you know peter max is one of the guys there wow um Rick Ocasek was doing art. Interesting. Uh, the drummer in um, Leonard Skinner does art. You know, it's so Chris likes guys in rock bands. That's to do. really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. My gosh, cool. you know, you got you got music, you got uh, uh, artwork, and you have a book now. What's next? <laughs> big screen. I want to do a film. Yeah, I, was, I just said that. The big screen. <laughs> So do you want? And then I want to fly a seven forty seven. Do you? Well, you know, uh, there's this guy named Bruce Dickinson. He might be able to help you with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. No, I don't. I don't want to fly seven forty seven. And I don't really think I want to make a film either. But I think I I tried making some films in those early crazy days of Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Do people want to see those? Are those okay? No, consumption. I, I had a problem with the rating board. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't know, man. You know, shit. I don't know what's next. I like, who knows? I want to play concerts again. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I think, I think everybody wants that. And, I, want, uh, I want to see enhanced photography of your dogs. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have never really done any. Just and getting them to them, sit would... still is a, is going to be the, the more of the challenge. I think. No, well, I take a picture of them. I have loads yeah. of pictures of them. You should, man. That would be awesome. Well, listen, Brian, we really appreciate the time here. You know, um, we're really uh, excited about talking to you today, and uh, you've been great. And um, so, the, you know, so we just can't wait for you guys to get back out there and play again. Yeah. So let me. Well, well, let me just say the name of the book one more time. Uh, it's called Son of a Milkman, My Crazy Life with Tesla. It's due out December 15th. And there are, you can pre-order now, I know on Amazon. Is there other places where it's available? No, I think it's just Amazon that pre-orders, but it'll be in, you know, the book and mortar, like Barnes and Noble and stuff like that. Okay, that's great. And then, uh, so. and then of course, Tesla and, uh, you know, Tesla music available pretty much everywhere and um oh yeah yeah and um you know thank you so much first of all for writing the book because i know that there are some definite 
things that you touched on in that book with weight issues and mental health issues and autoimmune issues. And, and there's a lot of people. That, and I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a comfort to people knowing that, you know, someone well, like I, you in a I, band I, have been through that as well. I hope that, you know, someone reads some of the stuff that I go through that it can help them. Like I said, deal with what they're going through. Yeah. And you know, that, yeah. that, Hey, maybe they can relate to, you know, this guy in the band actually shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was that, Brian? That's the, the noisy one. That's Spanky. He's very vocal. <laughs> Spanky's the perfect oh. name then. <laughs> Spanky. Sit. You want to go to Italy? That is so funny. That is a world traveler yeah, he, dog. He flies on they fly on the plane with us. That's oh, funny. Absolutely, man. I try, you know, that's the best. Well, listen, Brian, thank you once again for your time and uh, best of luck with the book. And hopefully we'll get you back out on the road and Frankie and I can see you when you uh, come touring down here to Southern California and uh, bring your dogs, please. <laughs> uh, here, uh, hang on a second. Oh, awesome! Spanky. Oh, there they're, they are. There's Spanky. Oh my alfalfa. God! Come on, that's Alfalfa. Wow, that's the one we couldn't leave behind. Aw. Yeah, for those people who are listening to us, uh, Brian is, is. Hey, Brian. Brian is showing us his dogs, and they're absolutely gorgeous. Look at those guys. There's Look at that face. Spanky. <laughs> You know, hey, Brian, a far cry from uh, years ago when you uh, were complaining about uh, your wife bringing a dog bed into the house, right? <laughs> yeah, there's dog beds everywhere. Oh and al alfalfa, he chews up every dog bed you buy, and he's had about 35 of them. Oh, man, they're the best. God bless you for that, man. That's awesome. All right, guys, take care. Brian, thanks Thank so you, Brian. much. Bye-bye. So this has been the Spirit of Radio podcast. I'm Frankie DeVita. I'm Ken Anthony. And you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, and also you can email us at thespiritofradiopodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep the faith. Thanks for joining us on the Spirit of Radio podcast. We'll have another episode coming soon. Please feel free to like, share, or comment. You can reach Ken and Frankie at the Spirit of Radio Podcast at gmail.com. The Spirit of Radio Podcast. Keeping the Spirit of Radio alive.